Good evening, TDN listeners. It is Wednesday. It is 8 p.m. on the east coast of the United States, 8 p.m. in the Eastern Caribbean. Welcome to this week in interview. I am your host, Anthony Drago. As usual, we do this every Wednesday night. We, we meet and we have interesting discussions. And um, tonight is no exception. We're going to have the continuation of, of a wonderful conversation we had with the man Steinberg Henry uh, last week, Wednesday. But let me tell you, welcome to this weekend interview. As usual, it is always a pleasure to be in your company. I really appreciate you attending our a regular listener, welcome back. You you know what to expect from the show, and um, I enjoy the experience as much as you do. If tonight is your first night listening to this weekend interview, welcome. And I hope at the end of the hour you will agree with us uh, who do this every Wednesday night that this is a worthy way to spend your an hour on your Wednesday night. The, the objective of this weekend interview is to bring conversations to, to you, the listeners. Uh, most of the listeners are Caribbean-centered, uh, Caribbean heritage, Caribbean descent. Most of the listeners live in the diaspora, although we do have some listeners who, still in the, who, who live in the Caribbean. But uh, the, the topics that we discuss, the people that we talk with, are international people, they, they're transglobal. And so I, I firmly believe that the, the message that they bring is relevant no matter where in the world you reside, uh, especially if you're from the Caribbean, uh, one country, from one country to the next, you almost could not recognize the difference in the people. Uh, we, I mean, we have our own unique ways of speaking, and, and, and that just adds texture and flavor. I, yesterday, I, I, I went to a, a school with, with a colleague of mine, an American colleague of mine, and within 10 minutes of being in there, there were like four or five different accents, Caribbean accents. And I, so the custodian, the lady in the cafeteria, um, was uh, a parent that was trying to find out if we were lost. <laughs> we were not lost, but... And... and um, he says, how many languages do you speak? I said, I speak English. He said, but you just spoke to three people, and none of them spoke English. I said, we all speak English. Um, that's the beauty of being from the Caribbean. Um, there, is, there is variety and there is flavor. Nonetheless, we do uh, communicate with each other quite easily. We, we can talk to each other, and within, uh, within the first few um, lines, we know where... The person is, is, is hailing from originally, but we all we all Caribbean people. And this just highlights, in my opinion, this highlights the my contention that the Caribbean is one people and therefore we should be one nation. This nonsense about a hundred different little islands getting thrown about and buffeted in the winds and, and waves of the Caribbean and the Atlantic Ocean. It just doesn't make sense when when even more economically able countries like the, like Europe are, are seeing the need to to come together and form the European Union. The United States, each of the states 
has all these tremendous resources and they saw the need to go forward as one country. When are we, the Caribbean people, going to wake up and make that a reality and not just talk about it and give it lip service and, and find a reason to drink whiskey, like Chuck just said. Um, but even, you know, after, the, after we, we recover from the hangover of drinking whiskey, let us continue with the action part of it. So that's my spiel, that's my speech. And if you listen to us every Wednesday, you know uh, I am passionate about the Caribbean being one nation. And therefore, I salute that concept every Wednesday night by playing the, the CARICOM anthem. Ably and very properly done by the most talented Mikael Henderson. So let's listen to the CARICOM anthem by Mikael Henderson. From many distant lands our forefathers came Some seeking adventure Some bound in chains Through battles waged and fought Through victory and pain By test of their courage Our freedom was On building one Caribbean Raise your voices high Sing of your Caribbean pride Sing it loud and strong Feel our hearts beat as one Celebrate in song As we rise to heights where we G&D Enterprises, Inc. is your one-stop shop for web design and development, web hosting, domain names, dedicated servers, live event streaming, online ticketing, custom stream players, smartphones and tablets, electrical and mechanical parts and tools procurement, business supplies and equipment procurement, including computers, motors, breakers, panels, commercial printers, and copiers. G&D Enterprises, Inc., the services you need when you need them. Find us online at gandenterprisesinc.com or call us today for more information at 617-329-9434. Fast, effective, efficient service. You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% .9 uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O.com. I want to thank you for staying with us through the break. As I, as I told you before the break, tonight... We have once more with us the man Steinberg Henry, um, radio personality, you know, radio superstar. If you're from if you're from that part of the world, and you know of him, uh, sociologist, he's a writer, uh, 
he he wears many hats and he does all of them ably well. Uh, what last week we, we we discussed his book Caribbean Drift, very very interesting book, um, very interesting organization. There there is so much detail. The book is so is so rich with information, so very rich and. What I was encouraging the listeners to do would, is to, although there is the electronic version, and I encourage you to get that one so you have it on your tablet or your smartphone or wherever you read your ebook, so that you can take it with you and you can read it. it, it it's very entertaining, but in a serious way. It, it invokes nostalgia, you know. Uh, memories of 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 times past when when we were young but at the same time it's so relevant to today that even young people can find it very very appealing so but but in addition to getting the ebook which which sells on amazon for i think it's like six dollars i encourage you and you will see what i'm talking about once you once you start reading the book i encourage you to get the hard copy of the book beautiful book it's it's a it's an excellent coffee table book, a book to have, what do you call it, center table in, in, in Dominica. Your center table, you have that book on your side table or on your center table. So when your guests come, they can pick it up. Be careful, because they might tend to want to walk away with it. But um, definitely, um, it makes for interesting reading and even more rich, a much richer um, conversation. So we had the discussion with Steinberg Henry, the author of the book, and there was so much ground that we didn't cover. We decided that uh, we w we would invite him back this week. I mean, last week we went from his experience, his development, uh, into his birth as a journalist, as a communicator, more than just a journalist, as a communicator. We went through his experience when the Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth visited Dominic, and he had to he, he had the opportunity to to go on on her boat. It's a shame to call such a beautiful vessel a boat, but it's a boat. And he was invited downstairs to, to meet the Queen personally. He, he took us on that trip with him. And then juxtaposition that the next day in Zion, as we call as we call the hills, with his father um, picking coconuts and his father asking him to, to, to tell him word for word the experience that he had with Queen Elizabeth. You know, very, very interesting observations, the way he's able to tie the cultural activities that happen in the Caribbean for a way of life and try to, you know, put it in a tight nutshell, uh, but at the same time not leaving out much detail. Very well-organized and interesting book. So the, the, the book is called Calypso Drift, and it is by Steinberg Henry. Now, we spoke about the drift part, because the first part of the book is the drift, the personal drift, where he, he basically talks about, you know, as you go through life, you drift through life. You have different experiences, and you and they take you on to the next experience, and where we are right now is the sum of all the experiences that we've had. So that's the drift part. The Calypso part, which is the, the latter part of the book, we didn't get to, and we're hoping that we can get to it tonight. Wealth of information. After last interview, somebody asked me, so when Steinberg Henry was calling the different um, Calypso monarchs that won the crown over the years, he was reading. I said, it didn't sound like he was reading. She's like, shoot, how he has all that information in his head, you know? That's the type of, that's the type of, of knowledge, that, that, that knowledge source that we're dealing with tonight. So what I'm going to do, 
I'm going to set the stage by um, playing a song by another icon, another Dominican icon. We're going to play a song by Gordon Henderson. And when we come back, I will have Stenberg Henry live with us, talking to us about Calypso Drift. I'm going to also open the lines pretty early so you can call in. I hope you've we've picked up your copy and you can call in and, and, and talk directly to Steinberg about the book. Um, we, he'll also tell you how you can get your own autographed copy of the book if you don't if you like that, if it's going to be on your on your coffee table, on your center table. Autographed by the man himself um, is is a good way to go. We'll also tell you how to do that as well. So, so let's go quickly to listen to a little, um, song from Gordon Henderson. And when I come back, we're going to be starting our conversation with, with Steinberg. Listeners, welcome back. Uh, beautiful song by Gordon Henderson. You know, the the book Calypso Drift is interlaced. Steinberg did a, a pretty good job of interlacing life 
and, and weaving music through it. And, and he talked about all the different aspects of Dominican and Caribbean music. And, and that was Gordon Henderson, the pioneers of Kadas Lipso music. Um, you know, I, I thought it was fitting. But we have with us um, Mr. Steinberg Henry himself. Every time I say that name and I'm speaking to you, you know, I'm a little bit um, starstruck because I grew up listening to you and admiring the work that you do as an announcer. So, Steinberg, welcome back to this week in interview. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for, I gather, as it, as it deepens, you know, moods, voice, tones change, but it's a pleasure. Um, yes, I listened to, you played Higas? Higas, yeah. <laughs> you remember, I think it takes us back to the days when I used to go to the cinema at Portsmouth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and when, you know, Tonto or Wang Yu or any one of them fellas, you know, Chinese fellas take on a fight. It's very interesting. He got, he got. And even in the schoolyard, too. Definitely. You know, when two children start a fight, you know, one used to say he got. And you know, it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting that Gordon should recall that in song and give it such a nice love of rhythm. Yeah, definitely. And for those, you know, we have a lot of, of non-Dominican listeners. In case you don't see that in, in St. Vincent and Grenada, what we're talking about um, and Trinidad is when there is a fight, um... You know, people surround the people, two people as fighting, and they shout, "He gas, he gas!" You know, it's like <laughs> yes, encouraging. yes. And in fact, when we went to the theater, we would be watching a film, and when two people take on a fight in the film, we as participants in the film would begin to shout, "He gas, he gas, he gas, he gas!" It was, and some guys used to actually fire punches too, you know? <laughs> not to strike anyone, but just simulating the action. Yeah, sometimes striking just next to them accidentally too. When you get <laughs> when you get into the fever, as you as you would say of of, of the movie. Yeah, and when we said lapo cabo, we we meant goat skin drum. Right. Lapo is skin and cabo is 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 goat goat skin drum. So for people who um, understand, it is a drum that is at the heart of our belly dance, um, which is of African origin in Dominica. Definitely. And I grew up, you know, I you know, I stand back. I don't even know, but you know, I'm a country boy. Yeah? I grew up. I grew up. Where, um, where, where are you from? I'm from Castle Bruce. Oh, you're from Castle Bruce. Yes, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. So I grew up, you know, curing. When we kill a goat, you know, you, you peel off his skin. I grew up curing um, goat skin. You, you still you, have the goat festival. Yeah, using um, fire sand, ash from the fireplace, and, and lime, and you know, and, and curing it and make sure. It so dies, you mean there's a special it. way with the, in which that goat is prepared? The skin, the skin. The skin. You have to dry the skin in such a way that it doesn't, um, it doesn't rot. You know, like yeah. First of all, when you're taking it off, you have to make sure there's very little residue, meat residue attached to the skin. Yes. But you also have to preserve it, so you use sand from the fireplace. That and, is the, and make, and the making of the drum. The, the making of the skin. So okay. you have to in keep, preparation you, for the drum. For the drum, use it. You, you can use it as a drum. You can use it to use it to use to sleep on it. I mean, you have kids and and they pee in their beds and stuff. If you don't have what we used to call a Macintosh, you use goat skin to protect your bed from <laughs> from getting wet. Um, and also, you use the furry pad. They used to put babies to sleep on the furry pad as well. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So you used to have to, to cure the skin first, and then yes, you can apply yes. it to the various uses. And you have yes. to nail it to, like you should nail it to the side of the house so it stays stretched. Because as it dries, it tends to have the tendency to want to shrink. 
Yeah, I grew up in the country growing up. <laughs> yeah, I remember driving to certain parts in the country and seeing goat skin stretched out against the, the outside of the house. Right, that's where they were carrying it. Yep. Yeah. Rasmo told me, in fact, that he stretches his goat skin over Pauye, or what we would call in English, the white cedar. White cedar, yeah. Mm, smoke, you smoke it. And the other, yes. the other reason for you for for doing it with smoke as well, um, you keep flies from laying eggs onto the skin that that also cause it to um preservation. Yeah, for preservation, definitely. Yeah, but jumping into the book, <laughs> and our cultural heritage is so rich. We could we could talk about this. Yes. I mean, any one topic can take us down, you know, a tributary. But I wanted to start it with with a reading. Because one of the one of the things that stayed with me from last week's discussion is, and I'm going to paraphrase when you said that you can you can you can basically tell how uh, how a, how a people is living by the language, the the words that they use and the way they use the words and that sort of thing, um, and we will get into that a little bit. But I, that that really struck me as true. And and as as your language deteriorates, it seems like your you you can almost correlate your your way of life, your quality of life deteriorating as you raise your language to a next level. Uh, and I'm not talking about talking proper English, of course. I'm talking about <laughs> getting the you know the deeper sense. You know, like for example, I you know they do that in the other islands um, when. When an event happened, like we had Hurricane David, and the next the next bout of disease that came through was given that name. You, know? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> so, so you know, it's David, or it's you know, or the Gilbert, or you know, if you have a flu or something, it's it's, it's not called dengue or or, one, or the name. I of the think disease. the last thing we had, they call it five more years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So <laughs> our people have that tradition where we use language and we and we weave it into. But I wanted to read something from the book Calypso Drift, if you allow me. Um, yeah. it, it starts, it says, the African slash West Indian tension is an immersed matter. While a student at York University, Toronto, Canada, I heard an African professor besides himself with antipathy stating that Bob Marley's reggae did not feed African peoples. I sprang up. I sprang chest up in the, my chair. A female professor from India extended her forearm across my lifting body, hinting that I remained quiet. She had heard it many times. It may anger Africans in the United States, but West Indians lead strategy to Africa's liberation. It may anger continental Africans, but Africa is in Dominica, Haiti, Jamaica, Sao Paulo. Africa is all over the Caribbean, North, Central, South America in its diversity. I, I, I am choosing that quote um, to start the conversation and um, to, because all throughout the book, although your, the book is written from, from your personal experience with your global perspective that you have. And of course, being from the Caribbean, there's a strong inf infusion of the Caribbean. Africa is, is, is constantly present, present in the book. And so I, I wanted to start there and to ask you from, from your perspective, uh, as we seem to be a people adrift, 
you know, uh, who suffer away from, from, if you want to call it the homeland. How, how do we, do you see the redemption in the reconnection and the repossession um, by African people of that Africanness? Do you see that as key to us finding redemption, that restoration? Um, I see it this way. I probably work by example. I visited Nairobi, Kenya, in 1987. And when I landed at the airport in Nairobi, the security immigration gentleman took my passport and he asked me, where are you from? <laughs> I said, Dominica, where is this? And in spite of the unity that I felt in color of skin and melanin and in fight of the sense of history, I immediately sensed that immigration officers were immigration officers all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> but whether in Africa, in North America, in Canada, they would take my passport, but in a silent way, they would just punch in certain keys and give me my life history. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I think... I learned Africa from that perspective when I visited it myself. This is a lovely country, it's a beautiful people, and of course, Walter Rodney was right when he wrote just topically how Europe underdeveloped. I do not want to go to Africa to find Africa. Quite unlike what was the original theme among many members of the Rastafarian Dread movement at the time, back to Africa, Marcus Garvey, you know what I mean, Anthony? Yes, the back to Africa and movement. Uh -huh. In fact, there are a number of Jamaicans and persons of Caribbean descent living now. They've been granted portions of land on which they can build their village in Africa and in Ethiopia, to be specific. I do not think it is absolutely necessary for me to physically displace myself to go to Africa. I think it is important that I read. And when I read, I realize that Africa is on my lips. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so I think, first to begin, that's one point. Africa is on my lips. Derek Walcott said, how do I choose between Africa and this English tongue I love. Derek Walcott passed through that stage too. Um, he was concerned, um, in spite of the multiplicity of languages that Africa has to share, and English with its 26 letters of the alphabet, you know, Kennedy. <laughs> so certainly, yes, I like what Africa is doing to my spirit here and now as I stand in Stormont in Georgia with a siren blaring in the distance, speaking to you. I like what is happening, and I think that is important. I also believe that West Indian peoples in England in the 1950s and 60s were influential um, in getting Tanzania's Nairobi, for instance, to move. Um, you know, James Padmore and others very significant. I mean, let us just stop at Rosie Douglas to consider his impact. In fact,
fact, just before he died, I visited his office and he handed me a letter. Now, that is inside story that was sent to him from the government of Canada, where they were asking him to go to Sudan. At that time, Sudan was just emerging as a major um, um, spot of crisis. They were asking him to go to Sudan to see if he could help liberate the children there who were being held as, as, as prisoners child prisoners. So, in a sense, Africa is with us and has been with us, and we, there's no need to strain ourselves. Dominica is a Pan-Africanist, a gentleman called Mr. Blah, and he tells us, hey, if you study your history well, you, you know you are standing um, in a great civilization in time and place. So when I hear, as you drew from the extract, when I hear, there are people who think Africa is the air we breathe. Africa is, you know, Africa is the whole world. There are people who actually think Africa is the whole world because it was out of the Nile and the Euphrates and, 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 and the Gion and the Pishon and the Tigris that this great civilization moves. My Ethiopian sister tells me that the Nile River surrounds Ethiopia three times. John Henry Clark says it runs 3,000 miles into the physical body of Africa. If we think that scripture is correct, it came out of Eden. So for me, it does not matter whether I'm physically in Africa. I have a difficulty, though, with Africans who come fighting Caribbean people or people of Sao Paulo or people of the Americas. Because I can tell you, there are lots of Africans that are pretty ignorant, even of African history. This education didn't just happen to the, to the, to the Africans who were removed from the continent. This information happened in, in Africa. There is a there is a, a, a scholar, a journalist called Milton Alimadi. Yep. And he, he has a book called The Soul of Africa, where he chronicles um, the, the deliberate effort of the Western press to create a certain image of Africa and Africans. And, and he demonstrates how successfully they did that <laughs> to where even Af we Africans ourselves have bought whole line sinker everything in, into that concept. So it was not it wasn't something that was accidental. He did this um, research while at, at Columbia University, and um, so he has all, all he has all the documentation. He has evidence to show when 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 correspondents went to Africa to cover what was going on there, when they would send back a story that showed Africa in a favorable light it would not get published. It would be modified to change the shade. And they would yeah. encourage, you know, and, and, and encourage uh, articles that, that, that showed it in a darker, in a darker shade. And, and so the impression of the world of African Africans is not something that happened, you know, coincidentally. It's something that was actually planned and cultivated. And therefore, I, I think it takes equally a deliberate and concerted effort to reverse it, or not, uh, reverse something like we're going backward, but to use it and to move forward in a positive, in a positive I, manner. Yeah, I but, think that is the way. Yeah. I think that is the way to let, go. Let me take a quick pause here and invite the listeners, because I don't want to wait. Last week, we didn't invite them to call. But um, we also invited them to purchase the book and to call with sections of the book that they 
that they want to talk about. So the number you can call if you want to reach the station, which 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 means so you can join the conversation with Steinberg Henry, um, area code two zero two five two five seven two three one, or you can call this other number. I'm going I'm going to repeat it. So you should get your pen and paper. You have I'll repeat it. Um, area code six one seven three seven two zero one zero seven six one seven three seven two zero one zero seven or you could all if that number is busy you can call two zero two five two five seven two three one and the producers will answer you and they will patch you in when call that's on the line um is over so six one seven three seven two zero one zero seven or two zero two Five, excuse me, five two five seven two three one. So, when when Steinberg, when when I talk about embracing our Africanness, I was not talking about actually physically going back to the continent. Although I, I I'm not adverse to that idea. I, I think um, it is a beautiful country. Yes, um, it is. Uh, when although I went to the east part of it, I. I like to talk from things I actually know. Right. I don't like, I heard George Lamin say once, I have a certain ambivalence towards institutions. <laughs> <laughs> I like to talk about things I actually know. I went to a, a cultural night in Mombasa on the outskirts of Nairobi. And um, right next to me, we were on this upper floor, like a house and there was this amphitheater below and we had about 30 or so African men and women in dance and drum and then they went about constructing a pyramid three then six then four then you know and they were going up and up and then tumbling down and I said wow and I turned to the lady who was next to me and I said where are you from she was beautifully dressed fascinating fabric she said I'm from Sierra Leone. So I told her, I didn't know that Africa had such fascinating acrobats. She looked at me with her big eyes and she said, Africa had acrobats long before China. <laughs> you see? So there is, to me, and because the past seems to have a lot to do with the future. I think our people must take up books, tablets, Kindles, iPhones, iPads, whatever they can find to read and source Thank quite we, we a bit. A, we have a caller okay. in lines. Let me indulge you to ask you to hold on one second. Yes, caller, uh, welcome to this week in interview. Are you joining to call, uh, call in to join the conversation? Definitely, yes. Thank you for taking my call. Okay, caller. Thank you for calling. Go ahead. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I just wanted to, Steinberg, as I already told you, but, you know, just congratulate you again on, on Calypso Drift. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a great read. And um, I just, you know, wanted to say also that the name Calypso Drift, it's, it's, it's an interesting name. Because when you first think about, or when you first see the, the title, 
you you may one might think that it's only about calypso or it is about calypso but you know i i, I want listeners to know that it is it's much much more than that i mean the book is just if you can use a term to say the book is dynamic in nature, I think that is probably what I would describe it as. And um, I, I am so impressed with the way the book is written, and um, and, and I appreciate everything you bring up in the book. It's it, it really brought me back to life back back in Dominica. So, Clocola, do you have uh, a favorite section of the book that you want to talk about, or, or you just stuck is there? Well, I don't have a one favorite section. I mean, I love the entire book, but one section that really uh, got my mind going was um, um, in section three, from when he starts talking about um, about the dreads and the uh, and the evangelicals and the, the bourgeoisie and the government, how different they were and how they you know, the, the similarities, rather, between the dreads and the evangelicals in terms of their, 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 their I guess, their opposition or how they felt like the country wasn't um, for them or, you know, to put it, to put it simply. Just, right, just before you continue, for those people who may have e-copies of the book and they're at the top or they're at their computer's laptops, they could just do a control find and look for the word evangelical and they, they can probably find the section you're talking about. If there's yeah. a section that anyone is talking about and it's a book, please tell us the, the page number or something like that or the chapter so we, people who want to follow can do that. But excellent. Please go ahead. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, and just that—that is the section that really that was really interesting to me because I didn't really know much about about the whole how everything was intertwined basically among those groups and how they all had their own part to play in what happened. I thought all of us were dreads at that time, man. <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, maybe some were dreads, some were rasta. I guess and, you know because. <laughs> You know, and I like the way you also put, um, you know, you didn't say, you started using the word Rastafari a little bit later in the chapter rather than from the beginning. You started by, by saying dreads and then sometimes you talked about Zion and, you know, and, and you talked about Ital and, and that kind of stuff. You know, the book was written, it, it's written in such a way that any, I would say, local person can take it, read it. And, and, and understand what you're talking about or, or remember, you know. And even if they didn't know, it still gives a book. It sort of has a, 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 a history book kind of feel to it. At the same time, it's written in the modern style. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Stenberg, do you want to expand a little bit on the on the parallels between the, the Dread slash Rasta movement and the, the strong evangelical uh, movement that you talk about happening in Dominica in the 70s and, and not into the 80s? I don't. I, I think the evangelical Pentecostal movement emerged in the 70s at a time when people were in search and identity, cultural identity was a big issue. I, I, I think we're they blended where I references made to their to them having a similar point of view, and we may find that across across the Caribbean. It had a lot to do with um, television culture. 
Rasta taught television, and I say Rasta dread because there was Rastafarians out of Jamaica, but in those other islands, there were a group of guys who called themselves dreads. They had certain peculiarities, and there was a guy who took some time to draw the distinction between dread and Rasta, but really, I mean, philosophically, ideologically, they rested within the same you know, um, space, although Dredd had different a certain... denominations of the same faith, right? Yes, although Dredd had a different tendency, i.e., yeah. they were a little, um, they had a certain, um, a certain hills-driven kind of, and then there was a general anti-world, anti-materialist tendency, which was pretty Marxist. It's a very interesting kind of, but really evangelical, which was Probably not even Marxist, but just spiritual in a sense. They were anti-worldly in a sense. But I think when television emerged in our culture in 1982, and I talk about that, there was for us a mindlessness about television. It lacked depth. It did not use language. <laughs> Remember, it was not our TV. It was cable that came to us with its many channels. But that's still it, what's existing now. So yes, it, <laughs> it it was it 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 was about shooting and killing, and as I said, it violated the human body when the human body was such a sentient being. It, it, it abused language was lang when language was so beautiful. Another time we had writers and poets who were writing such fascinating lines. Drama and theater was in the air, but still. So there, the Rasta was saying it was mindless. And the evangelicals were saying at the same time, this thing was not uplifting to our nation. Well, of course, fast forward to to the late 90s and um, discover that the evangelical movement was actually writing to Dominica's lone television, cable television producer at the time, requesting that they remove a particular program that was being um, 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 transmitted from BET, Black Entertainment Television. And they thought that there was quite a bit of encroaching pornography in the television images. They were beginning to get fast. Um, for me, as a student of communication, that is important because <laughs> when films began to be made, they would tend to be a little slow, and some guys said it was the technology. But at least you had the time to watch a film or film, and you could kind of grasp its totality and understand it. But now they're moving so fast across the visual optic nerve that you barely have time. And so there are some theorists who believe that it creates a certain impatience in children. But you see, black entertainment television, the evangelicals and the Rastafarians met on that particular score. I think in that regard, they did not like the corruption that was emerging the, from the culture at the time that was coming through television. The, the other part I, I, I see, the other similarity, because I grew, I grew up right in the middle of this. I had brothers that joined the Pentecostal movement, and I have brothers who was strongly associated with the, Rast with the Dread movement in the hills. And I think where they came together was uh, a rejection of the system, the status quo. So, so the Pentecostal evangelicals saw the Catholic Church as the system that they were bucking against. And Rasta saw the whole system of government and police and Babylon, as they used to call it. 
So, so in a sense, the both of these groups, and that's and that's what I got from also from from I guess everybody reads the book and take their own um, interpretation. But that's what it brought me back to in Casabrusine. And you will remember to uh-huh. you will remember too that um, at that time, quite a number of Catholics were migrating right. <laughs> to the Pentecostal churches. Yeah, they call it converting. You get converted. Yeah, they got converted. Um, I mean, and uh, it led Stranger to write somewhere later on. He wrote a track called Catholic, right. where he was concerned that he said when you hear them them pastor going by them young girls is only to knock on their door. You know that kind of metaphorical. Right. Uh, but certainly the idea was no matter what happened, he was going to remain where he was as a Catholic because, so those were some other things. In fact, there's something that's very important in all of this in the historical and religious and spiritual development of a nation state in the Caribbean. There was also the emergence of what was called the charismatic movement. Right. Yes, that's very important. The charismatic movement emerged coming coming out of the 70s in Dominica was the black priest. The black priest did not emerge before that. Before that, all the priests were from either Belgium or France or somewhere. Right. Even either from the Methodists or the Catholic Church. I, you remember in Calypso Drift, I speak of a, a Reverend Neville Brody, who, um, when he preached, um, Paul and nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He was sweating. He had to take his kerchief off. He had to wipe the beads from his face. But the white minister did not sweat. <laughs> he was very good. to get used to that. I remember, you, I remember that clearly in Calypso Drift. You mentioned that. Looking to throw in also the, the Caribbean Conference of Churches, which was a... A, a body that represented very radical, in fact, it was considered Marxist at the time, because, you know, Marxism was very big, not only with Walter Rodney, but it was very grand with the Dominica Liberation Movement, yeah. the movement for New Dominica. It was felt that the trade unionists that got involved in the 1979 riots were involved in Marxism, the opposition politicians. Marxism was the alternative for Reed. Um, to what was then an emerging or a number of emerging colonies. You see, they were coming out and they needed a critical, not only a critical language like Rasta, but a critical everything to begin the process of pushing out from the mother colony. So certainly, yes, and the spiritual well-being of a nation as an expression of its culture was one of the frontline areas. And certainly, um, the the people were moving away from the old Catholic, the old Latin. Um, the Trinidad group, the Girotic group of Trinidad, they launched a fascinating album. A lot of people are not aware of that. But when the Girotic group launched Sing Out My Soul to the Lord, that marked a dramatic shift in the Catholic service. Because no longer were we focused extremely on Latin, but we now move to the song that was now sing, sung by a group of people. Yes, they had sophisticated accents, but they brought home a Caribbean sensibility. So it's just a, a series of things that were coming forward 
to help advance that movement. And Catholics were trying to find it in the evangelical and the Pentecostal movement. Actually, there was once in, when in Calypso Drift, I say the coy Catholics finally learned to lift their hands and say amen. <laughs> because it was not a feature of the Catholic Church. And we're not critiquing them. They, they just emerged. Here's another point. Black priests... And I think sometimes the Catholic Church needs, Rome needs to agree that were it not for us, for I. And, you know, Italy and Ethiopia have had their battles, uh, Mussolini and Selassie. But were it not for the Rastafarians, the black priest would not have emerged in the Caribbean. Because when a group of men drumming, calling about the Trinity and ever living, ever faithful, ever sure Selassie, and they were saying that God is black and funny, imagine what that meant in 1970s Caribbean, God is black, but you know that's awful <laughs> I know, and, and, and so many homes so many homes in the Caribbean used to have these pictures of a, of, of a white angel with a foot on the neck of a black devil you read that? Um, <laughs> And you know you, how you saw the pictures they would make, and and Rasta Dread was able to to see that as the disconnect and tackle that, and that appealed to a lot of young people in the Caribbean. And so I take the point that you're making in Calypso Drift that that pushback, that strong pushback by Rasta leading the charge, is probably what caused what forced. The the Evil Walter Rodney used to speak the language I'm in dread. I used to say it. Um, you know, so a number of the so called what the dread acts called the the, the, the the unlawful prohibited on societies act nineteen seventy four, which was passed by the John administration. So that's slowly still that's slowly sending. What is the proper name for the dread act? The un, I think it's the unlawful prohibited Societies and Associations Act, Unlawful Prohibited Societies and Associations Act, 1974 called the Dread, Dread Act. Act. Now tell, let's, let's, let's tell people what the Dread Act was well, it and was how it was applied. By, mm-hmm. well, that was in response to the presence of, there are guys, Henry Schilling wouldn't be able to tell you that in total, but there are guys who know that well it was passed by the John administration 74 to deal with the rising dread Rastafari movement in Dominica and um, there were a number of things uh, I mean Henry Schillingford tells you as a Rastafarian and a lawyer he tells you that a, a person could be arrested for associating or hiding a dread in their house it's a dread it, I, somebody I remember that time very could clearly. be shot yeah. You know, dreads were shot at any time you... A dread could be shot any time you met them in the hills. They, 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 one of the things that caught my attention was the distinction, was what the acts called the intellectuals and activists. Now imagine, you're right, they were intellectuals. I mean, Grenada brought it forth in 1983, right up. I mean, imagine those guys of the Grenada Revolution. You know, I mean, imagine those Guyanese. Imagine Walter Roth, imagine the intellectuals, and imagine at that time those who came through the Black Power Movement. Malcolm X, Stokely Carmichael, George Padmore, Angela Davis, um, even, even uh, you know, Martin Luther King, also, you know. It's a whole number of people who were rising at the time. 
you know, Uhuru, a lot of things emerging that were pushing forward a black consciousness. And it was lifting all of the countries of the Caribbean into independence. I cannot tell you which date exactly they got independence, but you can go back to the 60s and come right up to this end of the to the beginning of the 80s and countries which was emerging into independence. Mm-hmm. Dominica emerging in 78. Let me let me let me take a pause and read something from Calypso Drift. <coughs> I'm going to read this, uh, and 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 as I started tonight talking about the use of language and and the way language is used in society as a gauge for. For upheavals and this, you know, and discomfort and and and, and the the rumblings, the, this interaction is between a parliamentarian. Well, you have it as a parliamentarian because this guy is addressing the speaker of the house, and and he is informing the speaker about this movement that is happening in the society and how they have their own language and they have their own words and stuff like that. But I picked this one. He, he says, Mister Speaker. They want to go to bask in Africa. They claim to know it in their hearts to be their rightful place. They're not even Gaviites, Mr. Speaker. Gaviites lived in Dominica once. There's one living in the town of Portsmouth on Bay Street who made the best Seamus beverage in the world. His drink is international. The Speaker says, Do you drink it? He says, Yes, Mr. Speaker. And I understand it's it, it strengthens. Strengthens what? The speaker are sitting upright, sensing the riot coming. My evidence is purely anecdotal, Mr. Speaker. You mean you have no first-hand experience? The speaker teased. <laughs> <laughs> it's purely anecdotal, Mr. Speaker. I will not here identify that part of the male anatomy that it is said to energize. The assembly roared, and the female opposition leader disgusted. At least, Mr. Speaker, he was a Gaviite and a productive and reproductive one. These so-called dreads do not belong to neither. Do not belong to neither do they produce anything, and they they have now turned to attacking farmers and taking land by force. This I will deal with at a later stage in the proceedings of this house because my government intends to take serious measures against anyone who terrorizes, the word terrorists, eh? who terrorizes citizens of this otherwise peaceful and stable country. What nonsense. Return to Africa? Africa do not want them. <laughs> I, I, I chose that to read because I want to give listeners a flavor, the full flavor of the book. So there's seriousness, there's banter, you know, there, there, there is a little bit of, of humor. But all in all, the, 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 the book is on point, and, and it's a very solid, very solid and entertaining, and entertaining read. And if you go on, the, this man is telling the speaker that they call fruits and vegetables ital, you know, and they call the system Babylon. Yeah. And, and they call a gun a peace, yeah. and, and 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 they refer to certain women with with, with certain behavior as Lego bees. <laughs> and, and no, the very I mean, when you read the book, it takes you it, it takes you back to that period in time so clearly and so vividly that things you had forgotten 
you yeah. you start to, you start to remember yeah. and, and, and people that did, that are too young to to know it get to experience that that um, interesting time in the Caribbean in Caribbean history. So so um, I want to thank the caller for bringing up that part of the book where you talk about the Rasta movement and giving us a chance to to highlight the importance of the Rasta movement and also the very strong um the very strong influence that spirituality and religion also plays in in played in in in, in the Caribbean as well and and I, what I want to do is to is we uh, you know, to t- start talking about calypso because we talk about language being a reflection of what's happening in society in the Caribbean our tradition is to express that in the form of song and most of the time that song is calypso yeah. Yeah, I think I think that is. Are you there? Yes, I'm there. Yes. Yeah, I think um, that is an important tradition. A lot of what has been written before we embrace calypso. A lot of what has been written, um, be it what I call laminations. In sociology, they say they are stratified. They are multiple layers. My friend calls it nuanced. In the sense that there are many levels of composition that our song poets, Dr. Alwyn Bully called the writers song poets. And I like, I borrow that phrase, song poets. There are lots of important topics that can come out of our discussion so far. If we were to take it from where we were, there are still subjects that can emerge that touch the lives of Rastafari Tread, their workmanship, their skill, their contribution to modern society, their contribution to consciousness, to awareness, to spirituality, the fact that what they believed is now at least superficially Anthony. There are millions and millions of people who know we are dreadlocks. Superficially, at the very least. It's just like the number of pans, steel pans that are spread all across the world. The largest number of pan players are in Sweden. You see, and most of the bands are, um, most of the players are women. And and, so, and and I'll continue short, but it's, I want to dwell on the on the on the dreadlock part of it for for a while, yeah. because when even in the Caribbean, when you see somebody in wearing dreads you have always say in the caribbean you have to come good to approach them you know you know that person wearing now it's starting to change as dread is becoming more of a fashion than anything else but on, up till now if you're going to approach somebody who's wearing dreadlocks you're going to you're going to assume that person has a certain level of seriousness about them and you approach them differently and I think that theme and that concept of Rasta and dreadlocks, I think, has has been able to permeate and to spread and to survive. What do you do you see that? Stan, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. And it is at many levels, eh? Take for instance, um, you you know, I almost missed the point, but because of the the seeming disconnect. But are you still with me? Yes, I'm with you. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think 
you know, by the time Morgan Heritage did, you know, have to be dread to be rushed. Uh, this is not a dreadlock thing. It's a total conception of the heart. We, it, Jimmy Cliff never wore dread. He always thought that there were people who carried, just as how we were able to identify in Calypso Drift, that there were dreads who began to attack farmers. And we know the history of Dominican historian Lennox Honeychurch and his father as a result of all of that and how he suffered death at the hands of these people. So we have that dark, what we call, they always call it dark, but we have that side of it that is always regrettable, you see. But if a student who is at the University of the West Indies, Mona, Jamaica, particularly, although I gather it would be spread across Cave Hill and um, all of the departments, Trinidad, Mona, St. Augustine, and all of the areas where there are departments of continuing education, but particularly at Mona, when I was there's a vast collection of literature on Raspberry and what it means. And Dr. Roy Oji, as the historian who did the making of the wrote the making of the West Indies, which truly Gordon, what these guys had succeeded along with Nettleford in collecting, and and and, and Gordon Smith and what they had collected. And, and brought together. So the literature is vast on the matter, and it's not just restricted to the hairstyle or to ganja. Actually, Calypso Drift makes mention um, that the, the, um, the Caribbean Food and Nutrition Institute um, borrowed some of its nutrition patterns for um, moving throughout Caribbean islands, borrowed some of its nutrition patterns from the Rastafarians. At the time when it was developing, there was a gentleman at the University of the West Indies called Dr. Leah Kim James. Now, Dr. Leah Kim James, if you observe his name, is Leah Kim. If you spell that backward, it's Michael. And his surname is Samaj. If you spell it backward, that's James. His name was Michael James. Anthony, this is freaky. <laughs> but when he heard Bob Marley's Catch a Fire, he was a student of engineering at a university in the state. He gave up engineering, went into psychology, and changed his name from Michael James to Leah Kim Samaj. He was instrumental in the Department of Psychology at Mona, but also he taught guys like Dr. Irvin Pascal. He taught them um, certain aspects of psychology. You see that he was a medical student. So essentially, these guys were very influential in guiding the Caribbean Food and Nutrition Institute to adopt certain Rastafarian um, dietary practices into their collection of, of, of things um, for, for the nutrition of, of Caribbean children, Caribbean peoples. So that was another aspect. Um, in Chapter 16, I mentioned a Rastafarian sister who tells you about rings and earrings and, and, and skirts. And, and um, in a sense, here was a budding industry that got caught up in the battle over smoke and ganja and violence and attack on police in Babylon. Now, as we say, we have a chance to look back on it. Fast forward to 1993, hurricane singing unarmed and dangerous, fascinating Rastafarian. 1986, the first Rastafarian we had in our group, well, Natty probably did it, but Ventura dread, carried dread in 86-87. Hurricane did the same in the 90s and won the crown three times. Then following him, you had, um, who else would follow Dice? Dice, Dice carries dread, and he's our seven-time king. Success, argue, yeah, arguably, 
And yeah. you're going to the most yeah. successful yeah. council yeah. come out of Dominica. Yeah. So those those are some of the achievements. Then you had an intellectual an intellectual history. And a lot of people Dennis Forsyth wrote a book titled For the Healing of the Nation where he identified all of the things that um, Deepak Chopra and Dr. Tolly and Dr. Oz and Oprah are talking about today. Chakras and body centers and energies of the body and, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Rasta was just more, and I think now what we need to do is to claim its essence. Uh, take up, embrace its, 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 its good. Embrace its good. And there was good in it. No, certainly. And, and, and when we talk about, well, let's talk about the, the, you know, throwing out the baby with the bath water. What is the most, cha- the biggest challenge that's faced by Caribbean countries right now? Food, <laughs> their food import bill. Oh, yes. And, and, and what is Rasta, what was Rasta about? Eating local, uh, eating what uh, you Go build. local, buy local. Rasta was talking about, I mean, those days, they used to be concerned about the, the, the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, and imported food and processed food and, and, and all imported food. Rasta were concerned about meat. You know, they used to call meat and chicken deaders. Deaders, yep. <laughs> Today, if you fast forward to the future, boy, I wonder why I should eat meat. So many people not eating meat today. They will become vegetarians. So vegetarians were, this was unheard of in, in those times. So in a sense, it was, they brought, all the Dominican people ate well, but the vegetable was not a direct input into our everyday meal. They the raised the, raise the, the level. And also, also organic, because you remember Rasta would not, although they like Eichel, they would not eat Eichel that was fertilized or, or sprayed with, with chemical. You know, they... they well, they, when you think of how powerful this whole thing is, and you remember I draw reference to Dr. Steve Sarbin, in 2005, call, 2005, you know, calling on the people of his district. It, just imagine Caribbean people, a doctor of medicine is addressing his people on World Nutrition Day, and he's telling them they must stop drinking sodas. That's why I to tell people that long. Yeah. Stop drinking all yeah, these sodas. Chemical. You don't use chemicals. And, and Rasta was into, into essential oils. And, essential oils, yeah. coconut oil is the biggest thing in massage therapy, in cooking, it is excellent as a as an omega, something is great for brain development, I mean come on <laughs> you know Rasta used to pump coconut inside of their, their, their sandwich and their meals and we used to love them and, and, and when the when the Rastas used to come down into the village they used to bring water, um, from, water Zion. from sulfur from Zion and they used to bring it in, in bamboo tubes and the little boys like me in the village that used to follow them, they used to, these guys, it's like how Americans follow celebrities now. We used to follow the dreads when they come in the village that same way, associated with them. And they would, they would uncork their, their little bamboo tube and give each of us a little sip of yeah. that water that they brought down from the hills. I remember that clearly, you know, very, very. I actually, I actually remembered standing just about three feet away from Zumba. His skirt, his bag, his straw bag, and he was just taking out all kind of bush and giving it to people. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, Lafayette, he just gave the bush, and it's kind of like, but remember, in those days, it wasn't, this is a very um, good discussion, because not only 
of what it brings to mind, but what it allows us to understand today and how we can now begin. It tells us how rich our culture is and what we can draw from. It does not throw out anything. It finds good in everything. But, you know, there's a general tendency for us to reject what is ours and accept somebody else's own. It is saying, let us take, let us be global, but let us also remember the fascinating tradition we had in culture, and culture being the broadest scope, which means our spirituality. We had great spiritual traditions. We had great religious traditions. We have fascinating dance, food, dress traditions, the use of plants and herbs and the things that we grow. We had those traditions. Um, we had the use of various forms of waters. This is everybody's talking. It was important to walk. It was important to do some exercise to get a sweaty restless You know, it was it was good in those days. The eighties came and swept all of that away. I think 
there is significant fruit, benefit, currency, value to be drawn, liberation, body, mind, soul, materiality, productivity, economics. There's a lot to be learned from what happened to us as a people coming through plantation society, through crown colony, through colony, through associated statehood, right into independence and now into a 21st century state. We should be, we have, we're supposed to have a liberation ideology and that is what we should be presenting the same way that our cricket and our music have brought the world to our attention or have brought our attention to the world. Similarly, we should, as people coming out of a history of struggle and liberation and, and, and dismantling and delinking, we should now be structuring. And I think, in a very important sense, I think there are scholars who are doing it. Maybe the information is not reaching the bulk of the people. And here is where I critique myself. I think the Caribbean media has somehow failed us. The Caribbean media has not brought the abundance of knowledge and information and wisdom that Caribbean people and scholars have developed over the years. Are you with me? I'm with you. I, and I, the Caribbean media has not found ways and methods. and We know we're more playing the, 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 the hit song. I did it too. We play in the hit song and we say who is number one and we say we are the best and, and we have all rural regions and colonies. We have vast libraries of tapes and collections of things. Amen. We have songs that need to get our people standing. Yes, we have them. We can get them to dance. But every day is not carnival. Right. You see, so I think we have not developed methods and the media, particularly radio, is still very relevant in the Caribbean. And television is not simply what we received, eh, like we did in the 80s. We are now intervening and producing something where we can now let all people see themselves. Just imagine how magnificent it was when we began to show ourselves on TV and they started to call it local content. <laughs> you know, for me, it is like, wow, listen to that, local and local and global, hey, we're cool. But we have not done the work on, I do not even want to dwell too much on it, brother, because it is pathetic. But I will end it by saying this. I think when I left the university in 1992, after I was through with graduate work, I understood that there was a geopolitical move throughout the Western world and the so-called right-wing world of politics and control and domination to sort of nominalize or to make um, superficial media practice. So media people were given a lot of nice perks. They were told to come to this conference for a week to understand how to report the IMF culture. <laughs> you know, so guys just got a lot of nice benefits no, and they no, went. But, but stand back, without cutting you short, this, this, is, this, is, this is not just speculation, you know. I, um, no, this is real stuff. I, I went to school in the U.S. I, 
I, I went to study, I studied engineering in the U.S. in the 80s. And there was an a, a institution that was formed called the Leadership Centers of the Americas. And every time we got, there was a break from school, they would pay for us to come to a location and run seminars and workshops. And the, the stated, they didn't hide it, the stated goal was that they recognized that the Caribbean and American students who were at university are most likely to be leaders. It is it's high chance that one of us is going to be prime minister or ministers of our individual countries. <laughs> and therefore, they wanted to, to indoctrinate us and make us friendly to the United States so that when we get into power and leadership positions in our country, we would be, our countries would be friendly to the United States. This is this was deliberate. I, I attended several, and 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 of course, as a poor college student, you get a, a ticket and boarding for a two week break you have from school, as opposed to staying on campus. You're going to go, you know. I and, think by now, yes, I think by now we should have, we should be able to, as we said last week, it was what William Demas wanted us to do, to be able to appreciate this rise of the new, the so-called modernist society and its new technology and its progress. We have to be able to appreciate. I am very much, technology started from the sharpened stone. I mean, there was a computer at Stonehenge and I mean, those guys left lifted stones that weighed 10 tons to the top of a, of a pyramid. So what does that's a problem? There was always time pieces that could keep time as accurate <laughs> as the most accurate. There was always, so there's no need to be a, the thing about this one is you sometimes have to ask who owns it. You see, and who owns it can determine its content. Can we create from it? So that's a big communications discussion. But I believe that as a passing thought and as an observation, I like to have hope. One of the things that I learned when I was reviewing Calypso as an art form and its importance and its significance in positioning um, the struggle of the so-called oppressed or island peoples or people from states that were seemingly dependent. One of the things that the popular song had to do was to position the people and give them hope. In the case of the Chilean Nueva Cancion new song, which I always mentioned, um, the gentleman who wrote about it was called Vareyas Mata. He would then go on to become Chile's culture minister. He said that one of the elements of the Nueva Cancion is that it's it, it it gave the people a court convocation to meet. So after Dice has sung all his great songs about how the system is failing and how rotten it is, but he does not end there. You understand what I mean, Anthony? Yeah. He says, in spite of all that has happened, we have, Briggs did it excellently with Keep the Candles Burning. Mm -hmm. In spite of all that happened, his granny telling, don't worry about those things, all those things will be resolved. So it is believed generally in popular song that not only should it identify a problem, in the case of the Nueva Chilea Cancion, the um, Chilean Nueva Cancion, it positioned a struggle within the multinational corporations and challenged them at the time. Not only did it do that, 
But because it realized that the people did not own what was called then the means of production, and all they owned was labor, then it gave the people hope. One day we shall overcome. Right. And 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 that's what Calypso Drift captures and and relates and tells in a beautiful a beautifully written book. Calypso Drift by Steinberg Henry. I encourage you to go to Amazon. Get the ebook, but also get the hardcover book for your for your for your table. Uh, uh, c- contact Steinberg and get an autograph copy. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he'd be happy to send you a <laughs> Actually, in addition to Amazon, persons can go. There are copies. There are a few copies left at Jay's in Dominica. There are a few at Choices Bookstore. But I think um, persons can go to www.com. Calypso Drift. Oh, it has it? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's available on its own website, yes. Yeah, Calypso Drift.com. And so you can see excerpts, you can see other things, something about the writer. Definitely. And you can also link into the, the publishing house and those kinds of things. So Calypso Drift.com is also a place. Right. Including to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, chapters.indigo.ca, all of the Amazon, Amazon it's, Effa, it's Amazon, Amazon, it's available. Right. So, so go there, get the book, you know, uh, support, support, support the work. Let's, let's, let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep this movement to inform our people going. And, and I mean, there's a whole section of the book that we haven't really gone with into that. It the Calypso section where Steinberg actively deals with individual Calypso and Calypsonians, you know, and, and traces the the, the the various happenings within the Calypso industry, if you want to call it that. And in the different years, he has it organized by years. And talks about what happened at the quarterfinals and the eliminations and who. I mean, as I hear you saying, as I hear you saying that, I remember NC tell me in 1986 when he sang, "Do rock the boat, He tell me, "Eugenia Charles meet me in the gardens, and the way she look at me, if looks could kill, as we say in Dominica, I would be six feet under." <laughs> And means he touch a nerve, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And one one of the songs that stays in my mind um, is when um, Observer sang "Give Me Back My Vote" when the United Workers Party government was in power. I think it was, and um, he was trying to say that what was promised was not being delivered. Give me back my vote. Powerful, powerful song. You, you, you remember man himself, the government breaking ground. <laughs> <laughs> and and the great spider, spider had a song singing in my blues, because blue was the color of United Workers Party. Wow, wow, he supported, wow. and he was disappointed. So he was singing in his blues, wearing the blue of his party, but being blue from the lack of performance. I mean. <laughs> Calypso is just. Is Spider just... has always expressed he supports a party. Um, he sang, Before freedom come, they were scared of John. Now their party won, not a damn thing is done. Today, when we meet, when I meet them on the street, all I look is smile and say hi. Hypocrite. Words to that effect. Yes. But whenever a group of people were in a party, and he was in the party, and when the party got into office, they stopped performing as promised. 
Oh, he jamming them. He was there too. He was not afraid to, to you know, to, to chastise them. He was one of the most. When he sang, it's me, it's me, your television. Yes. He when he criticized at the time what was then the young and restless. There was a young girl on that called Ashley Abbott, and most people watch Young and Restless know Ashley Abbott. And he said, Ashley Abbott, true in baby, going crazy. And it was a way of saying, hey, don't adopt that practice. Right. Don't adopt that practice. It's not, she's beautiful, she's angelic on screen, she's in love with a multimillionaire, but true in baby. <laughs> That's not one of the things we want you to adopt. So this is one of the things about his mature compositions. He always spoke, he sang one year in the 90s, Coney Island, that is what we call. Right. Fascinating critique of the invasion of a culture that was unlike our own. You know, so it's important that we, and because, somebody may say, why are they more important, let us say, than a teacher at a school or a lecturer? The fact is, they have compressed. It's taken them a long time to capture in a few lines something that, that is poignant, something that is that is crucial. But we have not listened to them. When Hurricane sang in the 90s, drugs is murder, and murder is like against the law. law. Definitely. He sang that since the 90s. Now, could you imagine if we were a group of leaders in the Caribbean? who were listening to each other's cultural or, or, or our song poets and our cultural activists. I gather Trinidad has its had its own outpouring. You remember remember Jamaica was pouring but were we listening to because one of the things I like about Dominica and I think it's an important question which you rose earlier and it is something that I am looking at as a project now. Why is it that Dice could win the crown seven times, and yet we don't know him as how we know Sparrow or Kitchener? And I, I think part of it has to do with marketing, you know, Anthony? Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, how we market, how we brand, how we sell, how we go out, how we I have done, develop. I have done entire programs on that, Steinberg, on this freaking See, interview. What I added was this. I said, I think... Dominica's Elipto is not as popular because it is a different type of product and we have not yet learned to market it. It is a product that has an intellectual edge. So, for instance, cultural studies. So, for instance, cultural anthropology. People don't like to hear those things because they say, oh, yeah, here comes again another. But the truth of the matter is we need to, we need to attract researchers to our culture. Why? Think of it. Pateron captured it in 2015 when he allowed one of his, I don't know if it's one of his um, gestures, I don't walk so one of them to say, one of them to say, um, la puet pani toilet, you know, just simple right. things. Mm -hmm. The shooting mass was what was popular in 19th century into 18th, 20th century Dominica. The Chate Mass, the village ram, you know, before Carnival, all of us had, all of us no practice with the Lapogabuit. Yes. And the Chate Mass was the song, the Carnival song, Chate Mass was the Carnival song that we sang in the village about somebody, about a thing, about a cause, about something we didn't have. Ipani glue, Ipani limia, Ipani kisa, Ipani maji. 
But we did it. And how did we do it? We, do it in, we did it in Creole. So we had a shuttle mass, which we sang in a French-African language using a drum that also invaded our belly dance and other rhythms. That is a bit of complexity. But most of us do not want to consider the complexity of it. Point number two. When Calypso came to us in the 1950s, I heard Antigua say yesterday, in fact, they were having a discussion, Antigua, said, um, a radio observer, and they said, Calypso started in Antigua in 1957, but when the Calypsoonians started, they were backed up by steel band. I'm wondering, that is an interesting thing. Mm. They were backed up by steel band. But going back to where we were, our people, the slower, passeo, Spanish-like influence. Calypso came from Trinidad. Panama, 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 That was what it was. But remember, we were not that. We were. That's what we were. So what happened is that. 1957 thing swept over our Calypso. But strangely enough, we gave up the but we didn't give up the language. So a little Creole would come into our chorus. Sparrow would finally sing, and you know that Soka really has... But I mean, clearly, clearly, this is, this is a whole new dimension. So interestingly, we have that. Then, out of that Calypso thing, a group of guys came playing rhythm and blues and funk and soul and limiters and Santana and so on, Jethro Tull, Naked Feed, you name them. And then they added Calypso to a thing they mix with Compa, Chubby mixes with Big In and Mazuk, and they start to play Kadas Lipso. Definitely. But what they did, the Lipso part, is the verse and the chorus of Calypso. Because when they went to the French countries, those guys were not using verse and chorus, they just had a straight progression. <laughs> so those guys introduced verse and chorus on stage, and Calas Lipso, Calas Lipso formed. Mm-hmm. Well, it formed in, God knows, they started out in France. Michael will tell you the same thing, you know, in France when it was launched. But playing, spontaneously playing those old Calypso on stage, Calypso's they were hearing. And so this thing, they start to intermingle. This is a bit more complex. Then, of course, it, it produced Zouk. Then, of course, Soka emerged, Udimwe, Upiti, the same language coming through out of that same Kadas. And then by 1988, something happened. Yeah, bring back the gouache and the Shate mass that we had lost and the ballet. And the accordion, the European instrument, with great respect for our tradition, as part of it emerged, if you feel, as if you feel, as as I would call it. And the conch shell. And the conch, oh, it is the most innovative arm in- instrument. Oh, a mum, and om, you know, that is the universal mantra of the Indian Buddhist. Let me tell you something. We are touching some serious stuff, but we, we're not aware of what we're dealing with. Oh, when you blow that conch, the conch, the pink conch shell is one of the national symbols of the Bahamas. Not only that, in Greece, the conch is big. When you blow that conch in Greece, people go mad. Mm. It's a musical. So we brought back that aggressive shakti mask, with Bouillon. And by 19, 
remember Exile One dropped a song called Lazy Nash Choyo, 1987. Serious Lapokab with song. Remember Hurricane had done Tiwe Yo see you, Baba. Tiwe Yo Vanity Yo. Lapokab with song, 94. Right. Then you have, by the time Hunter dropped Carried Back and Ali in 1998. I always say Buyo entered Calypso, but not so much Buyo. Buyo salvaged for us, for Calypso, the Shatemas mm-hmm. that Sissi Cordero described as the more aggressive Dominican beat, which she lamented was being lost when we introduced the slower form of Trinidad Calypso. So I think, I say this to say that yes, more money is made. I mean, think of what Marshall makes. These guys, they make significant. The jab, jab, zook, zook, kasav, these guys make money. But there is probably something about the Dominican culture. It's probably, it, it has a sacredness about it. And maybe we need to get all of its dimensions. So to study Calypso in Dominica is one thing you can do it alone, or to look at it alone, or to market it alone, it's all right. But if you seriously want to make a significant economic gain and have a powerful revenue stream coming, you have to look look at it in its totality and attract a particular kind of research, a particular kind of tourist. Huh? That is a matter of tremendous interest. Well, certainly, and it seems like the, the things that have succeeded from Dominica has, it has been to take it out. And once it gets out, it seems to take on a life of its own. You know, if you, you look at you look at um Kadas, Kadas Lipso. I mean, the latest the latest evo- evolution of it is um Soka Zouk, uh, mixed with um Portuguese music in um I think it's in Angola, one of those countries, and they make Kodoro. Kodoro is 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 the final iter- is the latest iteration. Of that movement that started with Kalas music blending with with Calypso to make Soka and Zouk, and then coming back together in Africa, and and the nightclubs in in uh, in Angola putting it together, and making Kodoro and taking it to Brazil, and now it's proliferating all over the world. You know, it it hasn't stopped. It's con- it continues. You know, I, I think know. what is is maybe not even naming it as such as. What do we do with this rich? And it sounds like, oh, Stein, you're alone. No, you're not alone in this. Some of us, we are saying, Calypso Drift calls our attention to those things um, to make us aware. And that's one of the things that, you know, we sometimes need to learn. Sometimes we have to think of things as not always one to rush to do things. Um, it's important to know. You know, in our days when we were growing up, we had a thing called conscious. We said a conscious brother. It's a conscious consciousness. was a big thing. Well, I mean, after Maharishi Mahesh Yogi came to you know, America, consciousness rise to the university level. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's a consciousness. But, but, but it, a long it, time in Dominica, we have the, con- the, the concept of a conscious person. He, he conscious, yeah, conscious. Rasta, Rasta would say, "I understand, you know." <laughs> you yeah, well, understand, you don't understand. So, I, I think there is. I think one of the things that I hope 
I was able to do was to draw to our attention the multi-dimensional nature of that culture out of which the Calypso flowed. Take, for instance, um, when, uh, I mean, come up right up to, 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 to 2015, we could take a person like Stingray when she sings about abuse. And there was a student from Germany who was in Dominica for the 2015 competition, um, Carnival, looking, which is where Calypso is expressed throughout the Carnival on a yearly basis between December and, and, and March. And, um, she, and she was there. And she told me, <laughs> she told me Stingray is her favorite artist. I said, well, yeah, you're a woman. She said, not only that, the, what she's singing on it can be sung anywhere else in the world, and the person would understand the message. And that is so key. That is very, very key to taking it out of the, the confines of the island. So it's those sorts of things that we need to begin to select um, that which, and I've always, it's, it's, it's just a lot, it's just a lot. Even when we, when we look at Antigua, for instance, Antigua's radio station always advances Dominica's clips on its top 100 on Saturday. And you will find, you would find one of Dominica's clips rising to the top. Let the Children Be Children by Kasha P in 2011, written by Gina Leta. Actually, Gina sent me a copy of the entire song for inclusion in Calypso Drift. All the lyrics are there. Um, Ian Jackson sent me the entire copy of Internet Children. And Tim Dura sent me the entire copy of Kingmaker. You know, so I could print the lyrics actually in the song. And when you think of what Gina sings, let the children be children. I mean, the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund, UNICEF, could use that. Certainly. Child from Caribbean could use those things. So, in a sense, you know, it's, I always believe maybe it's not Anthony so much the song in itself, but if you were to take, let us say, um, um, Tasha Peace, Let the Children Be Children, and you put it in video, just imagine. Or you have a film about children and you let part of that song run. Just imagine how beautiful it would be. Just imagine if you took caresses, flush it, and you drop it in a place of in a in a part of India, where they are building how many hundred thousand toilets to alleviate the plight of so many people. Just imagine. So, in a sense, I think the point I'm making is Dominica's songs are cool, but they have to find a reference in something else. Right, definitely, and 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 let's let's as we start to wrap up. Let me let let me just say that this is where I I think we we can we can live it. Where we say a book like Calypso Drift, it shines the light on the body of work that's out there, and 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 demonstrates the need and the opportunity. For, for many more scholars and artists and writers to jump in and, and grab one section, one niche, and develop it and bring it to the world. There, there, there's tremendous opportunity. But, but Steinberg, it, all of that coming from your one mind tells us that you have an amazing mind, you know? 
there's that movie called The Beautiful Mind. And 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 to be able to to wrap your hands, your arms, to be able to wrap your arms around this entire body of work. And then to be able to to replay it or to give it back to us in the form of a book that we can read and follow and identify with is is a magnificent accomplishment. I am oh, hoping that the beautiful mind is not similar to how gold is formed. Where <laughs> 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 all the dirt and all the all the muck have to come up. And I think this is what even the essence, the spirituality, the aroma, the beauty, the ugly, the, the, the you know, the nasty, the wild, the savage, the the, 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 the alone the depressed, the repressed, the liberating, the hopeless, the hopeful, all of these emotional ties and tug-of-wars um, come to bear in constituting what a person may call a, a, a beautiful. Beauty does not emerge just out of beauty itself. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. So it is, I'm happy that you are saying those things, and I, I really hope that this discussion or these discussions are encouraging people to turn to pick up a copy of this work. Hopefully, I mean, you can almost determine that probably somewhere in the next couple of years I might take select chapters, place them. You do not know what the existing technology will, will allow us to do. How do you know that I cannot um, get a section? And up to, up to, at this moment, it can be done. Take a chapter, run video inside the chapter. You know, lots of things get streets um, of Dominica, places where we've identified. Should those things begin to create film from text? No, certainly create, create a visual um, See, documentary. Lots of things are happening. So there is room. And then, so that's the book. But here is one more point that I do not want us to lose before we leave. I wanted the Dominican Californian to feel proud that he and she were doing something of tremendous significance for the country. Granted, it has become what we call political these days, and every year we critique it, eh? and we say the worst things about it. After 2011, it changed, and sometimes Daddy Chess put it right. Is it politics that determine in Calypso? Calypso that determine in politics? And it's a big question, but Dominica's Calypso continue to generate that. It happened through the days of NC. It happened through the days of Scranton Hurricane. It happened through Hunt and Breaks. It happens through Caressa. It happens through. It happens through Dice. No, it happens through Observer. You know, all of these people. It came through that same battle. Think of the other Calypsoians that we don't mention. Things of Ghost, Black Star Line, um, Ian Jackson. Think, 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 think of the women like Yakima. Think of all of these people. Um, think so of son, not only Tasha P, but so but, Janice, but, but, but but Tarina. Mm -hmm. Remember when Tarina came first up in two thousand in 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 two thousand and eight was it or two thousand and six? I mean, what's her name? Sandy came next to Hunter in two thousand. Just think of those kinds of things, uh, and remember the 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 the, the, the treasure that that. That a lot of those, and there are so many. You have Chris B. You have all these young Calypsonians growing up. You, you have the, the 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 Lloyd father son daughter. Father son and daughter, yes. You, you know, you you have all those fascinating people 
emerging um, ghetto prince, you know, young guys. You know, Caressa himself he is a stalwart hunter. He's magnificent. You know, so there's and there are lots of uh, this guy who did internet children, whose name I don't. He's, it keeps coming and going, keeps slipping away, slipping away, slipping away. He sang, "I we can't eat concrete." You know, all those types of people. Look at look look at Roman Roman the party. Mm-hmm. Those types of other calypsos. You know, look at all of the jesters we we had in 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 yo yo. Um, you know, so uh, mighty DBS. So so mighty DBS. <laughs> yeah. You know, walk sock. That 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 other kind of thing. You know, I mean, somebody may find it strange. Dino still sings, but Dino wants Wonder Road match. Dino, oh, I love you so. A wicked brass kind of thing, and you know. So what has? What is this? And the only thing I say out of the humility of my heart is how can so much work be produced and it does not matter? Or doesn't matter beyond the season in which it was produced? It doesn't matter beyond this. It doesn't make sense. There's something that we have to do that is a little more. And hopefully when the younger group, for instance, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, all, of, all of the Irish kids, you know, um, Janet, Lady Chels, and all of these young people that are coming into the Calypso arena, what's 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 his last name? Who just sang um, this this calypso that that, that critiqued um, Padero in twenty fifteen? You know all of these people that that, that that are emerging. Who are they? And what would they find in it as we emerge into a culture that begins to embrace entertainment, that begins to see revenue streams? That no, but do we want them to just go and make the money? We want them to make the money, but we also want them to embrace it intelligently and intellectually. And that is where I think we do not want them only to come and play cricket in the Indian Cricket League <laughs> <laughs> and get all the money, but when they come to play, they're not scoring for they're us. Not scoring for us, definitely. And, and you know, Calypso and cricket and, and, and all these other um, efforts that we put out in the Caribbean, as long as we don't we don't embrace it as a Caribbean as part of our heritage, as part of our heritage. heritage we, we we will take it to like and then give it thought. I think the Eastern Caribbean people, you know, are trying to do something in culture and entertainment, and I welcome it. I think entertainment culture is emerging. Entertainment education is emerging. Um, a few weeks ago, or was it two weeks ago? I heard Gordon Henderson talking about people doing a, a bachelor's degree or, or an associate's degree, sorry, in in Creole in Creole music. You know those kinds of things. Yeah. So. I just believe that more of that is it's healthy, it's it's productive, it's wise, it's healing. Um, <laughs> you know, there are various things that can come out of it. Does everybody have to do that? Not necessarily, but everybody at least at some point in time likes a song. Right. And, but do you see, uh, what I think is that the efforts need to be more deliberate and more sustained, you know? Uh, you know, we, we, get, we get individual push, a push here, a push there, but it doesn't seem like there is an end goal in mind um, that will inform a strategy, a plan of action. You know, that is that, where some that, people that believe that governments should enter to help in the process. Yes. And that's where there's a great call for leadership and the cultural policy and those kinds of things. And some people believe because governments tend to be a bit more stable 
than others in starting off an event, in helping something to get going. Private sectors, spider I, I believe I believe that, you know, because look at the example of the World Creole Music Festival. That basically was was facilitated by the government. And look yes, at it the, was facilitated by the government. Yeah. So that's an example you know, of what of what. This can is, be yeah, but, uh, I mean, Eric Williams did it in Trinidad. Edward Siaga did it in Jamaica for reggae. Um, we just so hopefully, I think with all of those forces, I, I still am hopeful with all of this information communications technology, the development of applications and apps, the the, the whole business of fractals, what's developing in the internet and computer industry, the software that is expanding. We hope there's certain creativity in the development of of of, of songwriting and um, and um, that young people can now begin to apply the technology to create a number of things that would thrill our own people. One thing I do not want us ever to lose is the critical political edge that Calypso offers. I don't think because, you see, governments will not always be kind. <laughs> you know, and I think Calypso needs to, I don't think it should be that alone, but I think Trinidad has shown us, Antigua has produced obstinate, you know, swallow, um, you know, short shirts. Arrow has come from Montserrat. Um, St. Lucia has a guy called the Invader. Those guys write some, you know, Robbie, those guys do some excellent work. Grenada has, it, Barbados has its Gabby and its, its red plastic bag. Um, Barbados, you know, has had difficulty, you know, in beginning to emerge into Calypso. Now Barbados is now coming forward, even adopting Sakwasi, you know, Haitian slang and so on, you know. Although so those kind of things are emerging. And it takes me, I'm excited about it because I've always felt that the Caribbean, Rasmus in the Caribbean is a melting pot and it's a cultural place. And maybe that is where economy is. <laughs> but although that is where it takes off. That's, that's, that's oh, oh, well, not necessarily, but that is what embraces it all. That's what embraces economy. It's, to meet a cultural awareness. But certainly, um, very, very important period in our history for the expansion of entertainment, the expansion of a tourism, the business industry, the expansion, the use of our agriculture, the use of our natural resources, the use of our history as a people, the music we play, and everywhere we go have a music. I tell you, last night I heard Antiguan Calypsonian saying that when Calypso started in Antigua, the Calypsonians were backed up by Hellgate Steel Orchestra. Orchestra. Can you imagine that? So it's 1957. So there are all histories to be told, and um, all stories to be told. And what is important is that they inform us today, and they inform our action, they inform our thought, they inform our scholarship, and they inform ways in which we can gain a revenue stream from them. Well, let, let, let me let me leave it there, uh, Steinberg. Another beautiful, not all, almost two hours we've been we've been at it. Time passes so fast when because it, it, yeah, it, yeah. the conversation is vast, it's wide, you know. So so again, uh, we appreciate we appreciate we we appreciate you being here with us. We appreciate that you're sharing your 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 vast um, experience and intellect, and and of course. The, the objective of this weekend interview is not just to talk for the sake of talking, but it's to talk and to stimulate thought. And, and I, think we've, I think we've more than met that requirement tonight. So I want to say thank you, and I want to encourage listeners to pick up your copy of Calypso Drift. Go to calypsodrift.com, pick up your copy of Calypso Drift, and, and, and read what we're talking about in more detail. Have a record. 
bookmark your favorite sections, come back to them. It might inspire somebody in your house to, to take this work a little further. So, so it might out. inspire some new writers, too. Exactly. In fact, um, Moulin Centrelay, Wizard, called me and said, Stein, I, I mean, I have some songs. I, I just completed reading, almost complete reading Calypso Joyce. And um, he said, the bug has bitten me. Not necessarily Calypso Drift bug, but the writing bug. Writing and he bug. started writing. He was the um, um, Calypso Monarch in 
people of Grand Bay, people of, of Dominica, uh, we want to extend our deepest sympathy. And then, and um, Dr. Liverpool is somebody who was was a friend to us. And um, we certainly want to mark his, his passing, man of great accomplishments, and we certainly are going to to, to make sure that we remember and, and we mark his passing. So to his family and to the Dominican family, to the Caribbean family, we want to say our deepest condolences. We will keep you up to date with, with um, the whatever, whatever information they have on his ceremonies, his final ceremonies. I believe there's a tentative date for the, for the 19th of June uh, to have his final send-off. So, so we will keep you, we'll keep you abreast with that. So, uh, uh, once again, our condolences. And I'm going to say good night. This has been this week in interview for for Wednesday, June 10th. Yes.